Welcome to the Chamber Voice of Business podcast. I am Steve Cox with the Rogers Lowell Area Chamber of Commerce. And today we are very, very happy to be joined by Ryan Hale. Ryan is the founder and CEO of Lane Shift. And we're going to learn all about the wonderful work that Lane Shift does, how they help develop communities and encourage uh, cycling and, and not just cycling, but just better connectivity between cities and communities and just kind of helping how that plays a role in community development and economic development. So again, we are very excited today to be joined by this uh, Ryan Hale here on the Chamber Voice of Business podcast. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to join with us today. I know you have a very, very busy schedule and uh, just I'm excited to learn more about Lane Shift and just the work that you guys are doing. I, I had a chance to meet with one of your coworkers, Ben. Uh, he spoke at a, an event that we were doing a few weeks ago talking about the importance uh, uh, that, that cycling and, and outdoor recreation plays, not just in tourism, but also in economic development in terms of bringing business, bringing communities, bringing residents, visitors. I mean, it, it's all connected and, and Bentonville, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's called the uh, the mountain biking capital of the world but really it's all the northwest arkansas is, is benefiting mm -hmm. from that so please tell us uh tell us about lane shift and uh you know the, the work that you guys are doing yeah thanks steve uh it's an honor to be on here and and uh, share a little bit more about us and share a little bit more about uh, our work and how we're impacting communities so you know very simply uh our our purpose or our mission here at lane shift is to build resilient people and places through active transportation um, and what that looks like for us is at our at our core we're a, a planning and design firm and so we work directly with uh, cities and, and and private entities and, and advocacy groups to really kind of figure out uh, how to become a much more connected community Mm -hmm. um, a lot of our focus uh, throughout the year, uh, while we while we do engage in, in planning and helping with trails and connectivity plans and, and things like that, a lot of our focus uh, is around education. Mm. And uh, we, we actually believe that when we can change the way that people think about their cities, we can change the way that they make decisions and we can frankly change the way that they behave in those cities yeah. <laughs> uh, and the way that they do do things in those cities right and so a lot of our education is really focused on um uh, really hands-on experiential learning so okay we we do that through uh we host a four-day active transportation academy and we really use all of northwest arkansas as a living laboratory to kind of teach people about how to to become more connected Mm -hmm. uh, we've we've hosted dozens of professionals over the last three or four years, and it's been a, a, a really it's it's kind of our flagship program, if you will. Uh, and then we also take people outside of market, and so uh, we've been to Austin in mm -hmm. the la uh, three times in the last year with groups that have gone, and we learn from the city and learn from different stakeholders, and really just kind of, it's about broadening perspectives about really what's possible. Right. And then um, over the last year, we've hosted uh, 10 different communities uh, that have brought groups to us. And we've hosted uh, what we call benchmarking tours. And those yeah. are kind of more trun more truncated two-day programs that are really designed for groups. And so yeah. what we're seeing through that is we're seeing um, a, a lot of concepts that are really taking root with people. And so when they go back and they are making decisions on budget allocations within their cities or, or uh, how to use land and how to, you know, further promote density and those sorts of things. It, it's really making a big impact on, 
on on cities to, across the state and across the region. Yeah, I mean that that's absolutely fascinating. As an economic developer, I mean you're you're speaking my language, long term planning, mm -hmm. forecasting, all that fun stuff. But um, how is Northwest Arkansas a little bit? It's kind of a unique animal from from my perspective, um, just in the sense that you you know you mentioned Austin, or you could look at an example like a Portland or a Denver, um, places that kind of had that urban downtown core and then spread out from there, and so you're trying to create connectivity from the outskirts into the core where Northwest mm -hmm. Arkansas, uh, you know, four roughly equal sized cities along the 49 corridor with Salem Springs to the West that are growing together. So how is that a little bit of a different challenge as opposed to these other communities that you might benchmark against? Yeah, I, I would say it's, uh, obviously there's some challenges to that for sure. Uh, but there's also, I think some great opportunities uh, that, that lie within that. You know, our, uh, Northwest Arkansas has uh, 25 cities that have a thousand people or more. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when you think about that, that's, you know, 25 uh, mayors or city managers, 25 <laughs> yeah. city councils, planning commissions, you know, you go on and on and on. So there are some challenges to, um, to, to helping the region kind of uh, align, if mm -hmm. you will. And um, but I do think there's some there's some real opportunities there that exist in that each one of these cities kind of has a, a bit of a different expression on yeah. what that looks like. And they're able to express their culture. They're able to express their sense of place just a little bit differently across each one of those particular cities. And so while I think that there are some challenges from a from a regional standpoint with with so many cities represented in this in this one region, Mm -hmm. I also think it's it's part of what makes us special and it's part of what makes us unique. I mean, you can easily pop into downtown Rogers and experience all that's going on in downtown Rogers. And in 15 minutes, you know, you can be uh, by car 15 minutes. You can be mm -hmm. in Bentonville or downtown Springdale and have a completely different expression of what that uh, what that looks like. So I, I need to know what roads you're using if you're getting for downtown yeah, in 15 well, minutes, man. <laughs> uh, that's that's at 1 a.m. Oh, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. You, you know, you mentioned the, the the opportunities and how each kind of community has its own identity, and you're you're really seeing that right now in, in the downtown development that's taking place. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bentonville, obviously, you know, the, the great things going on down there. Downtown Rogers has made a lot of, you know, investments into their community, Springdale, Fayetteville. Do you think that that is help, helping fuel this momentum? And if that, you know, momentum of the downtowns and the focus on redevelopment wasn't there, would it make your job easier or harder? It's a good question. Um, you know, I think what we're seeing um, is that the consumer is really searching for uh, a, a different experience than what we had maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago here in Northwest Arkansas. Mm -hmm. um, the consumer is really demanding and asking for dense downtown urban infill, walkable, bikeable communities. Mm -hmm. That's what the consumer is is looking for. And so in that regard, you know, it makes it it makes our job a bit a bit easier because we're we're not um, having to kind of uh, create that demand or induce that demand because right. the market is asking for that. I mean, when you look in downtown Rogers and any frankly any of our downtowns, um, 
the real estate values uh, have have really soared. Yeah. Um, because demand is is looking for that. I think people are are at a place where they're saying, you know, I don't know that I need to own my own private third to half acre park anymore. I right. want to spend my time differently than mowing the lawn. Uh, I want to uh, be able to walk to a coffee shop. I want to be able to bike to a coffee shop. I don't want to sit in car line with my kids for, you know, 45 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes in the, in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are the, those are the areas or the nodes across Northwest Arkansas that we're seeing that are really thriving. And so from the work that we're doing that, that fits in really well, because when we talk about uh, connectivity, Mm -hmm. being able to connect a community, there are challenges. The more that a community sprawls and the more that it pushes to the edges and the more that we just continue to uh, build on the edge and just continue to, to uh, tack onto roads and that sort of thing that makes yeah. it much more challenging from a connectivity standpoint. And so just to kind of go back and recap what, what we're seeing and what we're hearing here in Northwest Arkansas is that the consumer really wants quick access to amenities, to destinations, to uh, nightlife, to experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, we believe Northwest Arkansas, there's, there's some areas that we're doing that really, really well. And there's some areas that we need to grow. And yeah. I think there's some great organizations that are focused on that. Uh, the Urban Land Institute of Northwest Arkansas with yeah, Wes Craig Lowe and his team. Um, obviously, the Walton Family Foundation, Northwest Arkansas Council. There's a lot of organizations that are really kind of focused on what does growth for us look like in 20, 25, you know, 50 years from now? Yeah. As you know, Steve, our population is is going to more than double in the next 23 years. Yep. And, and as a region... Um, it's it's really unsustainable for us to continue to build and use land in the way that we've always done it. And so right. we have to think about things just a bit differently. And I'm really glad that there's there's entities um, and organizations that are really focused on, you know, training and education and 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 uh, wor working on how do we use land efficiently and sustainably. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. And, and a focus that we have right now, specifically with looking at the multifamily side of things, is getting that density up there, building up as opposed to out, like what you were saying. Of, mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we don't need to have 400 units over 30 acres. We can get 400 units in 10 acres if we do it right and build, you know, a 10-story yeah. building as yeah. opposed to two. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, are you seeing more of an appetite for that within the cities themselves uh, to try to increase that density and, and get that so, so we're not using so much land because, you know, we're, we're kind of, you can only, there's only so much. We can't really go east mm -hmm. because of the lake. We can't really go west because then you hit in Oklahoma, you know, pretty sure they're not about to annex any land or allow us to annex any land out of their state. So, yeah, I, I do. I think, I think uh, many of our cities are, are kind of wrestling with that and trying to figure out what is that balance. Mm -hmm. And we have some very, very talented people in our planning departments across each of our major cities. And, and uh, we're seeing a lot of the smaller communities are, are not just today. I mean, they've been talking about this for the past five years. And so the, even the smaller communities are really starting to recognize like, oh, my goodness, you know, we've been a small kind of sleepy bedroom community. We better start planning for 25, 50, 
a hundred years from now, what, yeah. what this is going to look like. And Infrastructure, so water, power. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. All of that, because, you know, what's made those communities special up to this point and that sense of place is going to potentially be lost without, you know, some sort of larger vision um, and plan and planning effort. So, you know, the one thing that we, as we talk about density, obviously, uh, there's high demand for multifamily and, and, and dense uh, mixed use development all across mm -hmm. Northwest Arkansas, but in particular in those downtown cores, yeah. um, there's, uh, there's several projects that are hundred percent leased, um, just open and hundred percent leased because the demand is, is so high. Yeah. And those lease rates are continuing to rise. I think the last study they, I saw showed new constructions anywhere from 33 to $37 mm -hmm. a square foot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the challenge with density is density in and of itself is, is good, but density that is connected is better. Right. And sometimes we can get into a mode of, okay, well, we're going to put a multifamily housing unit here, but we don't really think about ways to connect that through, um, in, through active transportation. Right. And, you know, th this country, in Northwest Arkansas has really has an over-reliance on a, a single form of transportation. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, our organization, I, I own vehicles and I plan to own vehicles and um, we're not a kind of a war on cars type organization. Of course we not. Believe, no. we, we believe though that there does need to be uh, choices and there does need to be balance mm -hmm. in, in the system in the transportation system and right now we're seeing just a, a, a tremendous imbalance in that system because of this over reliance on the single form of transportation and so what we're really focused on is helping people figure out how to provide really good safe comfortable and connected options for for people that's not just density for density's sake right but it's how do we how do we map out really the four main pillars being density, land use, uh, workforce housing, and transportation system. All of those have to play together to really to really be a balanced system. And too much of one thing, you know, can can be harmful, but how do we balance all of those out? So yeah. You mentioned workforce housing and that's something I'm I'm very passionate about. Um, you know, seeing the latest studies, you know, housing prices have gone up. Just single family housing has gone up at least 26% compared to last year. Average rental rates are gone up at least 16% compared to the same time last year, but wages have not risen at the same level. So what are you guys doing on that on that workforce housing? And I love the fact you use workforce housing instead of affordable housing because that's really what it's about. It's making sure that our police officers, our teachers, our nurses Mm -hmm. that they are able to afford the workforce that runs our community can afford to live within the community. Yeah. So let me be clear, you know, our, our focus is active transportation. Gotcha. So okay. uh, we're not, we're not experts in, in workforce housing um, by, by any means. What I will say though, is that our transportation system um, does affect the workforce. Yeah. No, I'd love really to have, I'd love to learn where that connectivity yeah, comes the, in. The, yeah, that does really affect um, does really affect all of us. We talk a lot about, you know, the young single mom that's working an hourly job in retail, mm -hmm. and you know, when she goes out to her car in the morning, and let's say she lives on the edge of town, 
right? In a subdivision on the edge of town. Mm -hmm. And she goes to start her car in the morning. Boy, her life, if her car doesn't start, her life gets pretty complex in a hurry. Absolutely, yeah. And so when we talk about, you know, workforce housing, land use density, all of those different things and, and, and transportation options and transportation choice, how do we um, actually create a system that's equitable Mm-hmm. That that actually can um, you know provide options for that young mom, that young family that needs to get her kids to school, needs to get her kid, she needs to get to work, she needs to get to the doctor. That she's not uh, solely reliant on a single form of transportation. Mm-hmm. And so, when we talk about workforce housing, it's it's important because those those uh, that that sector of our of our region relies very heavily on being able to get to work. Yeah. And you know, with gas prices, when when gas prices rise, you know, when you when you go to purchase a vehicle, when you go to insure a vehicle, you go to maintain a vehicle, all of those factor factors into, you know, the overall budget for a family. Mm-hmm. So, while we're not experts in workforce housing, um by any means, we do know that the transportation system affects all of us. Yeah. And what we're about is introducing options and introducing choice uh, for those families to be able to to navigate to the places that they want to be. God, that's absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I don't know if there's anybody that ever truly is an expert on workforce housing because it's such a large mm. piece to tackle, but um, mm. definitely love that you guys are thinking about that and, and that factors into to the, the work that you guys do. Um, two, two quick questions and then I'll, I'll let you get out of here because uh, I, know, I know you got a lot going on today. Um, first question is, do you use cost as a factor when, when talking about this in terms of your plan? You mentioned earlier, you know, adding a mile of road or, you know, building out there. Well, that's another mile of highway maintenance. That's another, you know, potholes you got to mm-hmm. fix that can can grow more trails. If you're going to create that connectivity, it costs money to build trails and, and create that connectivity. So how, how much of that factors in when having these discussions with planners and developers where it's, you know, it's cheaper for the city in the long run to, to create density? Well, with with the groups and the people that we work with, obviously, when you step out of Northwest Arkansas for for various reasons, um, the access to capital and mm-hmm. access to, to funds looks different outside of this uh, this region. Yeah, and so most of the cities that we work with, that's one of the very first questions that they ask. Well, how do we fund this? Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're talking about building a more connected city. How do we do that? How do you know where do we come up with the funds to do that? And and I would say everything in that budget, for the most part, is a choice. Yeah. And that's part of what that city council mayor and the residents that are charged with is trying to make good choices for how you're going to spend the limited resources that you do have. Right. And. What we believe is that uh, for the most part, um, I don't want to overgeneralize here, but we've, in many of our cities across the country, we've kind of overbuilt our roads, road and street system, our yeah. road network. Absolutely. And the capacity maybe never met the original demand that we thought it was going to. And so 
I, what we're about is really taking a deep dive and, and analyzing that, taking a look at that. And do you really need to add that additional lane? Do you really need that to be five lanes wide? Or can you do that with three lanes and add, you know, some choice to the side, right? Add some, some sort of active transportation or multimodal uh, transportation network. Um, mm -hmm. So that, again, that's what we're really focused on is helping cities kind of try to understand how to make those choices and what are good choices to make in terms of offering options and choice for people. That, that's fantastic. I, I, I like hearing that. So last thing real quickly, you mentioned your uh, four day, I can't remember if you said the word academy or, or uh, mm -hmm. that, that program that you guys do. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that? And then if someone were interested in you know, listening that, that wanted to learn more and potentially get involved down the road, what would be the next steps? Yeah, well, um, so this year we uh, are offering uh, four different sessions for that academy. Oh, awesome. uh, we delivered one. We delivered one in May, September. Mm -hmm. uh, we have one coming up next week in October. Um, and then our last one is in November. Um, we do have some scholarships uh, available. Uh, okay. We did a posting. We did a posting out on social media. We're, we're kind of in the, uh, the last few days of a final call for um, uh, academy scholarships, if you will. We've had some partners uh, partner with us, such as a specialized real estate group, CRD, mm -hmm. real estate and development with uh, Hannah Sissioni. Yeah. Um, and then Craft and Toll. And really what we're focused on there is creating and increasing access for people of color and female professionals that are either working in the public sector or in the nonprofit space. And so you can go to our website. Mm -hmm and click on the Active Transportation Academy, scroll down, and there's a, the scholarship details and application is there. Um, all of our other spots are full. Um, mm -hmm. we, are, we are still taking a few final applications for scholarships. So okay. um, we, we do plan to uh, have another set of uh, sessions next year in yeah. 2023. And then also next year, we're planning on going to taking an excursion, taking a group of people to New York City in June mm -hmm. and kind of look, exploring their multimodal uh, transportation system. And then probably we'll be going back to Austin in October. So that's fantastic. So and that website laneshift.net, correct? Correct. All right. So you can you can go there and learn more about these uh, wonderful academies. If you're interested in trying to get in on, uh, you know, probably a little bit too late for the October session, but maybe for the November or for uh, 2023, you can check out laneshift.net and uh, check on their uh, scholarship application or learn about their their 2023 academy program. So, Ryan, thank you so very much. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to hit because, you know, lim limited time? I could I could talk about this stuff for hours, man. Yeah, maybe the, the only point that we didn't really touch on was uh, communities are, particularly in the rural South and in the Midwest, where we're located, mm -hmm. are really searching for ways to grow their economy. And I, I think Northwest Arkansas has really been just a, a tremendous case study in how to grow the economy through through biking yeah let's just be honest i mean oh, absolutely i mean steve you've probably seen the study that the walton family foundation uh, uh put out in 2017 that showed that biking has an economic impact 
on uh, Benton and Washington County to the tune of $137 million a year. And that was from- And it's 20- just grown since then. Yeah, right? that's been 2016, 2017 numbers. And I'm sure they'll update that at some point. Yeah. But I know that that's only grown since then. And so about 86 million of that was in uh, healthcare related costs. So we know that when we're right. more active and we're riding, we're mm-hmm. going to the doctor last now. ER visits are up. Uh, yes. Because of <laughs> you know, it happens, but, you know. But overall, we're healthier physically, spiritually, socially, and emotionally when we're more active. And, and they yeah. were able to tie back about $86 million in economic impact uh, from biking. Yeah. And then another $51 million in direct business benefits. And so people, uh, both residents, uh, you know, buying bikes and buying parts and and then tourists coming in and riding our trails, staying in our hotels, eating our hamburgers, drinking our beer, yeah. another 51 million. And so a lot of cities are looking in at that and saying, wow, we'd like to, we'd like to have even 10% of that. Yeah. And absolutely. Um, you know, if you if you think about being a, a, a smaller community in southern Arkansas, you know, an additional million to two million dollars in economic impact and tourism spending in your town in a year—that's a big deal. Yeah, and absolutely. That's that doesn't go away as long as you're programming that, you're marketing that, you're maintaining that trail system. That's going to continue to grow, and that doesn't—it's not just a one-hit kind of an event. We call it the flywheel. It's yeah. it's always kind of turning in in the background. So. I would say that's the, probably the one aspect that we that we didn't really touch on was the economic benefits that a lot of communities can net uh, through trails, through connectivity, and through biking. Yeah, absolutely, and when we see that, and we we look at it, you know, you talked about kind of that 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 uh, the the cycle there. We look at it kind of like the wheel of uh, economic development, where it starts with the visit. And somebody comes into town to visit the trails. And for all we know, they're an up and coming tech entrepreneur in San Francisco Mm -hmm. or, you know, Colorado Mm -hmm. or somewhere else. They love the area. They fall in love with it and say, "Okay, I'm not only am I going to move here, I'm going to move my business here. And so now we're doing job creation. It's just it. it, But it all starts with that that visit and that cycling is the, the, the catalyst that brought that visit about. And. You know, we we absolutely love what, what's going on with cycling. You know, we we want to see see this continue to grow and see more events like cyclocross come into town because anytime you get to showcase the world of what the beauty that Northwest Arkansas is, it just we all benefit in the end. Yep. I agree. So, all right. Well, Ryan, thank you so very, very much. Again, thank if you, you. want to want to get learn more information about Lane Shift, check out their website, laneshift.net. And uh, thank you for joining us on today's Voice of Business podcast.